Welcome to The Craft. I'm your host, Mae Globus. This podcast is a collection of intimate conversations on artistry, mastery, and life with talented, passionately curious creatives and entrepreneurs. Most are dear friends, some are those I've admired from afar. I hope you enjoy these conversations, this exploration of the humanity that connects all of us as much as I do having them. Thank you for being here and for listening. Adele Tatanko dances to the beat of her own drum. Always has, always will. She's been in the fashion industry for years, from writing and sales and marketing at clothing brand Dace to co-founder and VP of merchandising at retail startup Garmentory. Now, Adele is the co-creator of contemporary women's wear label Etigra, co-founder of BIPOC Market in Toto, and founder of Snack Size, a creative collective. She grew up in Coquitlam and has lived there for most of her life. The youngest of three daughters, her childhood was spent in Filipino neighborhoods that threw block parties, and her family took regular trips to the Philippines. Her love for fashion came from her father, who worked in fashion at Fields, part of Hudson's Bay at the time, starting in the warehouse, then working his way up to being a buyer. At 19, she had her first child, a daughter. In this conversation, we explore how she never felt the need to conform to cultures other than her own. Being a young mother, and often mistaken for her daughter's nanny in the early days. What the next gen is wearing right now, the way she forged and pivoted her career by following her instinct without question, her psychic abilities in listening to your body, major lessons she learned as a co-founder of a venture-backed company, her late mentor, Ginny Hershey Lambert, and the impact she left on Adele, why it's essential to allow space for creativity and therefore business success, and much more. Please enjoy this engaging conversation with the irreverent, straight-shooting, creative, pioneering Adele Tatanko. Adele Tatanko. Hi. Hi. Welcome to The Craft. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited that you're here. You've been on my list since day one. So we go way back. We do. We were just chatting about that. (laughs) And we go back almost a Early 2000s. Early 2000s. Maybe like 2000. 2004 maybe yes yes it was when you were at Dace yes and it was a shared space and my friend Melania de la Cruz was in that space as well yes and you were a writer um you were writing not just sweet spot but were you writing for someone else at the time yeah so I had a couple of contracts that I was writing for but for sweet spot I was a city editor got it yes because you were on my press list because I did in-house PR so I think I was like pitching to you Mm -hmm. and also inviting you to the events we were doing yes and then yes I remember I think I saw you the first time we did a party for days at the opus Oh, wow. Yeah, Opus Hotel. Do they even still have that? I don't even know. No, I don't. Uh, yeah, I think it's still around. But when they had like the velvet. They had, yes, like, the velvet it was curtain. like. It was very. Yeah, so we were mm. doing, we did a party there, a yes. fashion show, and I remember inviting you. That's, and I think that's the very first time that I like met you in person. Because I think on Facebook, I was trying to tag someone as you, and you're like, that's not my photo. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't know who this is. Who's this person then? <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. And then I also had to- a total brain fart, but also you were a contributing writer for Speed Spot yes. when I was city editor. Yes. And you taught me how to write. Because <laughs> I just remember being at Dace and uh, it was, I was just having, I was answering, basically at Dace, I answer, I did all of the marketing. I ended up doing all the marketing and sales 
stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, at any time Dace had an interview, I'm the one that I'm like, can you just email the questions? And then I'm the one that would answer all the questions for Dace because she's like very few words. You know, she's, you know, like she doesn't. Yeah. So, so I answered all of them. And so I was like, I need to get better at this writing. And I think for National Post, they wanted Dace as a guest writer to write a couple of things. And so I ended up just writing a few things. And I sent you like, hey, look, I, I wrote this. Like, are you looking for writers? I need to get better. And at the time, like I was so poor, I couldn't afford to take classes. Because mm. I was looking at classes. And I'm just like, I don't think I can afford to do this. So maybe I will mm-hmm. reach out to May and see if she needs help. Yes. You know? And I did. And you did. Yeah. And yeah. I did it for a long time. I think the entire duration yeah. that I was there. And then you even, even after I had Cielo, my my youngest daughter, you sent me to interview Derek Glassberg at the room when he, when he, when he had the book, when he had the book. And so I interviewed him and then you just transcribed it. That was the last thing I did for you. And then I think sweet wow. spot, there was no more sweet spot. Yes. After that. Then yeah. there was no more sweet spot. So yeah, so it was for a while, wow. but I learned how to write and then I became yeah. faster at it. That's you so know? great. So I was so how? terrible at writing all the yeah. time. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad yeah, that it's it, good. It helped. Yeah. Now I'm curious. You met Derek. What was he like? I don't think we ever talked about that. Yeah, I don't. We didn't talk about it because you were busy, and so I just like I went for you. And I remember going with Cielo and Ryan, my my husband, and so they waited for me, and I just did it. He he was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know that there's like a lot of drama surrounding him, but he just seemed like a normal person. Yeah. I mean, that's the only time I ever saw him. Mm-hmm, I've never mm-hmm. ever seen him. He seems before. very charming. Yeah. He's. Yeah. That's probably where why he's. Doing what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. And friends with who he's friends with. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And he writes very funny captions on Instagram. They're very, very clever. Yeah, he's charming. Um, He was was a really nice guy. Yeah, Um, oh, that's great. Very casual. Nice. Funny. Cool. Well, let's take it back. Yes. All the way back to Port Coquitlam, which is where you were, you grew up there. Yeah, grew up there. Grew up in a very Filipino neighborhood. So, um... My, I don't know. It's like my parents would move to places where all their friends were. And so I just happened to, like, on the street, there maybe was, like, maybe, like, 10 other Filipino families who mm. we were all friends with. So I, was, I, I actually talked about this not too long ago because I do have I – I started this new business called In Toto, mm-hmm. which is this BIPOC craft fair that happens in L.A., and it's debuting December 11th and 12th. And so I started it with three other brands, uh, also women of color. They're younger. I'm probably about 10 years older than them. But we had to talk about this because when they grew up, when they were younger, they always felt like they had to assimilate um, into wherever where they live. Like the people around them are always white. And mm. so they had to assimilate and conform in school and like in their neighborhoods that they grew up in. Like their parents were also like my parents, like immigrants to Canada, you know, for, I'm first generation. And I, I never felt that part. And I know other people have, because I've talked to a lot of other people, um, friends that have felt that they had to, I just never did. And I think it's because that neighborhood, sorry about that, that neighborhood, um, was full of Filipinos and Filipino kids. And so, you know, we'd have block parties and I'd go to someone's backyard and they'd be roasting like a pig. Mm. You know, I just never felt that. And I went to this Catholic school and there were Filipinos there too. And so I hung out with the Filipinos, you know, and so I never, I never as a child felt that I had to conform or mm. I, I don't know. It's just, yeah, those, the culture was around you. Yeah. yeah you didn't, and, you didn't have to. Yeah. So I, so I feel very fortunate for that mm. um, compared to how I hear other people grew up and fe- I just never felt that. And if, if something like did happen to me, I just 
over my head. I wouldn't even even realized it, you know? Mm. Yeah. So I feel very fortunate that I was able to do that. I think that's really great. And we were having a l- little bit of a pre-chat about what Filipino means because yeah. every, like a lot of Filipinos are, are mixed with Spanish, with Chinese, Chinese. with other other ethnicities and so we were chatting about what does even yeah, being a full filipino mean i don't i know that's the that's the question it's like what what does it mean to be like a true blood filipino i don't know that's why i was saying like i think it's it's what we eat <laughs> <laughs> it's the food yeah it's the food yeah. what, what's your the favorite chicken adobo no, oh yeah is that no, your favorite no my favorite is chicken afritada actually okay yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i just had it the other night at my mom's house uh is she a great cook She's a great cook. Uh, every time she makes something, I I don't eat there. Well, obviously, over COVID, I haven't been. I haven't was not going over as much. But um, just takes me back to when I was little. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. like have you been to the Philippines? No. So no. I was born there. Okay. But my mom and I left when I was ten months old. So I don't. Of course, I I don't remember it. And I haven't been back though. It is on my list. Ah. I would love to go back and see. Just how I would feel, you yeah. know, landing landing there. So the place I was born. Where were you born? Psy uh, City. Okay, I don't know. Where, but yeah. It's so big, right? Yeah. Um, so I, my parents took me back often. Like, well, I was mm. born here, but we would go vacation like every three years. And he, they would take all of us and go back. And so why I say like it's what you eat is because like, if you've ever had breakfast there, like maybe, you, you know, it's like dinner for breakfast. Mm-hmm. It's like four different meats, rice. You know, yes, yes, it's more yeah. savory than yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's ve- no, no vegetables really. Yeah. <laughs> Eggplant maybe. Yeah. I mean, salad is like the salad. What is that iceberg lettuce? Yes, it's like I hate that salad. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, why eat it? This is nothing. This is no cal- This is nothing. This is nothing yeah. for you. It's like no point in eating it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm. It, it's so it's funny that you're you're saying that because I was having a conversation um, the other night with with some friends I was over at their place for dinner and we were talking about Katoki Inn on Bowen Island and um, and they were like oh it looks beautiful and I was saying my friend Maurice stayed there and I I always you know really respect his opinion and he was like no it's beautiful oh, like it's I made reservations here yes yes for November 2022 I know <laughs> yes they are fully booked yeah. out yeah, yeah and the property looks beautiful yeah. so his one piece of feedback was um, it's beautiful there the cabins are are lovely the onsen is great he was just saying it would be uh, a more it would be a more authentic experience if the breakfast was actually japanese breakfast Ah, um and i think right now it's like a beautiful delicious organic granola and my friends were like oh well what's a japanese breakfast and i was like well it's it's more on the savory side it's not really breakfast you are what you eat you know (laughs) it's true though it's true i think you know asian culture is just like that it's Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. They'll make eggs, bacon, rice, but they'll also have like chicken adobo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, lot, and lot soup twice. Yes. Some soup <laughs> and some soup. I remember being in in elementary school, and we were in French class, and then we had to we had to write words in French, and the you know depending on what the question was, and she's like, "What did you have for breakfast?" And you know, I put soup, and everyone was like what no that's not a breakfast food I'm like well, I ate it this morning <laughs> you know <laughs> it is to me it is to me mm. in my house my mom mm-hmm. would make me lumpia for breakfast oh. and yeah and I would even put that's some so in my great. pocket and then I remember having to go to school in church and like I would find like in my pocket like oh yeah I put it in my pocket a <laughs> little snack a little snack for later oh you know? <laughs> I love it well you were mentioning your mom mm-hmm. and uh you know she seems like she's probably a very good cook but what what is she like oh uh, my mom a person. is 
Well, if you're not friends with her and, and you know, if, if you are, if customer service, beware of my mom. Because mm. she's one of the ones that'll, that'll like, no, this is not right. <laughs> <laughs> and then fight with a customer service. And then I'm just standing behind her being, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> So she's so one of those strong. kinds of Filipino moms. Yep. You know, strong, there's a type. Stubborn. There's mm-hmm. a type, strong, stubborn. Yeah. It's called, I, I, I mean, my friends, because some of my friends had similar moms to mine. I'm like, it's the Filipino mom syndrome. She's got that Filipino mom. You know, she could get a little crazy. <laughs> she's going to get mad. Oh, be careful. I feel sorry for that guy that served her that. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. So I'm always like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, like apologizing yeah. behind her, but just like, I already know, like, when she gets heated, she'll mm. get mad, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what about, your, what about your dad? My dad is like me, like, where he's, like, funny, cracks jokes, outgoing. He was a buyer. He worked in fashion, too. Mm. So he, yeah, so he he's he's very outgoing. Yeah. Yeah. So like and the probably opposite. where you get your love yeah. from for where you ended yeah. up. Yeah, because he traveled the whole time. He was always a, yeah. He was at field stores, which was, which was a... Um, it was part of Hudson's Bay Company at the time. Yes. So he's, you know, he reti- I think he worked for 20, over 25 years there, maybe 27. Wow. Yeah. And so he was a buyer for linens and shoes. So he was always traveling, mm. especially to Asia. Mm. And he probably has great taste. Yeah. And he had, he just, well, he was a really good negotiator. Oh, okay. Because so, Fields was an off-price store. And so even for categories he wasn't buying in, they'd be like, hey, can you come here and negotiate this deal? Mm. So he's a very good negotiator. So it's more that than the style. Because ah. it was more like. Yeah. It was like that business sense yes. of. Yeah. Yes. So he yes. would get stuff. Like he was Dollars negotiating for categories. Like he, he didn't even buy for it. They're just like, hey, Lloyd, you got to come in here, you know, and like, yeah. and do that stuff. So. Ah. And how did he get into it? He actually, when he immigrated here, um, he started working there in the warehouse. Mm. And then he stayed there forever until he retired. Worked his way up up until he retired. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And and you, what were you like as a child? I Um, I was wondering if you were really fun-loving and mischievous as a child. Yeah, I was. Uh, My sisters probably would say that I was annoying. I mean, like, we fought a lot. But, you know, like, I think we're all different signs that probably aren't compatible. Mm. So my mom didn't really time when she should have her kids. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was. I was, I think also because I'm the youngest, my sister's broken my parents. Mm. So I just mm-hmm. did what I wanted to do and I didn't care. Right. I didn't get in trouble like how they would have gotten in trouble. Yeah, know? yeah, because they had practice with, yeah. you know, and just and a little less t- concern yeah, by the time you came around. They're just like, whatever. And so I, I kind of just did what I wanted to do. Yeah, so f- yeah. pretty free spirited as a, a child. I, th- I I think so. I mean, I loved I loved fashion even when I was little, and I loved I had an imagination, so I had like so many Barbies, mm. you know, and I would like create different worlds. Yes, yeah, imagination, <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. probably yeah. outfitting them, yeah, mm. creating a city, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So. And then um, at 19, you had your first daughter. Mm-hmm. What was that like being a, a young mother for you like, um, after she arrived? It was, you know what, you know, people always ask me this, and I'm just like, I just don't even know what would have been different. Because, you know, when you're in it, you kind of just do it because you have to. And mm. and I liked it. You know, and I, I and people would sometimes be like, oh, Adele, like, I feel so bad for her. You know, she has this kid, and she's so young. And I'm just like, okay, like, 
whatever. Right. It just you know, is just what never it cared. is. It was, uh, I just never cared. I'm like, it is what it is. And it's like, I'm not unhappy. So what's the problem? Mm. You know, and I would always get mistaken for the nanny. Wait, right? Yeah. So rude. Right. I also, because I'm so young looking, you know, <laughs> I, I, I did look like I was like 12. Yes. You know what I mean? And so I guess people would be shocked when, they, when they'd when they hear her call me mom and they'd be like, and I remember when she started school, there was this one parent that was so uncomfortable with me. It was really weird, mm. but kind of funny because um, she just would be so awkward around me. Like she just couldn't handle it. Really? Yeah. She couldn't handle that you were so young as a mother? Or I think just... so. I think that I was so young. I don't know. I, sh- I sent her to the same school I did, so it was Catholic school. So I, I just don't think she could handle it. If she was so uncomfortable to her that I was Jamie's mom, I could tell. Because I, I could read people really well, and that's stupid. Mm. And so she's just awkward. She couldn't even look me in the eye. Even if I invited her kid to Jamie's birthday party, like she she couldn't even look me in the eye. And she just felt so – she was so uncomfortable. And, it prob- and you know, I, and I looked a lot – I looked really young. Mm. I look so young. You know what I mean? So I look like yeah. a kid still. Because then I would get comments like, oh, it's like a baby having a baby. You know, things like that. It's like annoying. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask how that made yeah. you feel. So oh, more so like annoying. annoying and you just yeah. sort of brushed it off. Yeah, I would just always brush it off. I'm like trying now to be more vocal mm. about things because normally I'm just like, whatever. Like just brush it off. But now I'm just trying to be more vocal and advocate for myself. Well, actually, no. You know, like and, and just like stop and say no. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that's your boundary, right? And yeah. You know, boundaries are how you teach people how to treat you. Yeah, so right. I'm trying to be better with that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was I was doing some research, and you'd said in an interview that your eldest daughter is cool and put together. You're total opposite, and yeah. I was just laughing out loud when I was reading she that. She really is cool and put together, and I'm like, I wish I had that confidence when I was her age. You know, because I always loved fashion, and I think sometimes, well, now when you're older, you could afford it. But when I couldn't afford it, it was hard because I'm just like, how can I get a look like that girl? Mm. You know, my parents didn't have a lot of money, so it's not like they were taking me shopping every week or anything. And so I don't know. It just, yeah, but it's like, but she could be really, I just didn't have that sense when I was her age. Mm. You know, I I don't think I came into really owning like my, like how I like to dress and how I like to style myself until I was into my, into my 30s. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wouldn't have get the, guessed that about you. Well, that's, yeah, I don't yeah. know. That's, I guess that's just how I felt, like the confidence. Right. Because like, the confidence is like a big part of it, right? It is. It's like how you how it makes you feel. I And I, I really don't think, maybe until I was into my 30s, honestly, like after Cielo was born, was I really feeling like I'm owning, like I've never felt like how I feel now when I dress, like how I did even 10 years ago. Mm. So. Yeah, you know, I, I think when I think about fashion, there's, for me at least, there's a difference, difference between fashion and and style like when someone has style and you really feel it it's like this person knows how to express themselves through what they're wearing and they don't care like this is how they want to dress they don't care how you perceive it yeah this is how I want to express myself to the world so so yeah that's really cool that your daughter's just yeah she's doing that she's got a great eye so Mm. so does my other one but yeah like but, but Jamie definitely does for sure she, she had a long time ago. I already saw it. Mm. Like, I wish I did. I'm so curious yeah. to know because she's, is she 21 now? She's 21. Yeah, 21. she works at Purple. Oh, no way. Yeah, she does the e-com and the photo shoots there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I'm just curious to know that generation. Yeah. How do they, from what you can pick up from her, how do they view fashion and how are they shopping now? Well, there was a time when Jamie was 
borrowing a lot of my things. And then eventually she just like, mm, it's not her style. Like she, it's too old for her, you know? Um, <laughs> I, she shops everywhere. Mm, okay. Whereas for me, I only shopped at certain places, right? She shops everywhere. She'll do Value Village. She'll online at a place she's never heard before. And then she'll do like brand name too. Yep. I do find that the style that's happening right now is this kind of clown chic <laughs> going on. I'm going to add chic in there for, but it's kind of clowny. Yes. Like yeah. it really is. And it's this, I like to think of it as this like futuristic Y2K-ish type vibe mm. that I'm getting from a lot of what I'm seeing, even like the London Fashion Week photos and, you know, like what the brands are producing. Cause you know, you've got like the patterns mixed and you've got like a sleeve one color, the sleeve the other color, yes, you know? Yeah. And um, I think it's really interesting and it, I think it's really fun. And I, I just don't think that it's for me. I do think it skews a little younger. Mm -hmm. uh, not that I feel like anyone should try to dress a certain age, but I, I don't feel comfortable wearing like checkered tights. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's a little different. So, yeah. but I like looking at it. I really enjoy looking at it. But I, I've talked to other women, even women that were turning 40s that were like, I just don't know how to dress now. Like, or they're confused mm. of what, of because of all of the styles that are coming out that are, are this kind of like Y2K clown kind of type vibes. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a euphoria mixed with a Betty. Like if you mm. watch those shows, mm -hmm. which which I love looking at it because I think it's like a lot of big risk and there's not a lot of care in terms of what matches because it's, you know. It is. It's, right? That's the point of that's it. That's the point of it. And so, mm. um, but it's just not, I think you. it's just not my complete style. Yeah. You know? I, I always think it's just fascinating to see how, different generations yeah. and the young generation is is looking at well these type of things if you think back to to the 90s um because i think you and i are, are around the same age right yes, yeah yeah so remember when there was that that mental mm -hmm. <laughs> mental and there was like belle bib devoe and they were yes. so it's kind of like that a little bit mm. in a sense like back in the 90s when we were younger how people were dressing with like, yeah. the different color paneling that's right Right. That's and right. but now we just have these more different types of um, textures and like the checkered that's going looks like it's wavy, like kind of digital, you know? Yes. So with just, that layer in there, that yeah, element. Mm. Yeah. So I, I, I love looking at it. It's just um very different from what you choose. What yeah. I'm choosing to wear. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So <laughs> huh. well let's take it back to you. Mm. And you and I were having a chat earlier this week about how you've always followed your curiosity and mm -hmm. what you wanted to do when it came to your career, even at the very beginning. And I'm wondering where that that came from. It sounds like some of it was your parents kind of were like, go free, it's okay. Yeah. They, did they not? Um, I'm wondering if you grew up in an environment with parents that didn't impose their expectations on what they wanted you to be. Well, maybe they did and I just didn't listen. Because mm. I'm the kind of person where if you tell me I have to do something, I'm like, can I swear? Yeah. Oh, I'm like, fuck that. I'm not going to do that. I'm only not going to do it because you told me to do it. <laughs> so I'm going to do the complete opposite of what you're saying. <laughs> you were that younger child. <laughs> I was that. And I, I do think that I'm still like that now. I mean, I could I could be told to do something, but I don't know when it. I think it just depends on how someone tells me to do it, you know? So if my mm. parents ever did say, no, you should do this or that, I'd be like, no, I'm not, you know? Like, I, I feel like I'm still like that. Mm. I've always danced the beat of my own drum at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, and I think for me, especially with work-wise, it's like, 
I man, if I'm not having fun, I just can't do it. Like, if I'm not feeling like the work that I do should give me the energy to do it really well and to do my best and love doing it and love the results. And if I get to a point where I'm not feeling that, I just I can't be bothered because then it's just soul crushing. And yeah. that's when I know I need to move on. And so that's why even at Dace, I, I stayed with her for eight years because I loved it. Like, I loved working with her. I loved the things that we were doing. Um, you know, and I wish I could have continued forever, but the reality of it, it's very hard to have a clothing line. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so I don't know. I think now even more so than ever, it's like if, if I don't like the project, I'm just not going to do it. I never yeah. thought about the money. It was never money was never the issue ever. Yes. It was always about, well, do I want to like because if I knew that if I didn't like it, I'm not going to do a good job. You know what I mean? I resonate with that yeah. quite a lot, actually. So you make decisions based on feelings. It's very intrinsic. Everything. Yeah. Everything is my feeling. I, my, I trust my gut more than anything else. And, you know, it's never served me wrong. Yeah. You, you know? know, I I was just going to say that because we were also talking, you know, earlier this week about you learning to pivot really, really quickly and not really doing it with much hesitation. And my thought around that is I imagine it means you trust yourself a lot if you can pivot that quickly and without yeah. too much hesitation. I trust my instinct. Mm. I always trust my instinct. And even when someone is like, no, it should be done this way, I'm like, I don't know. I have a feeling. I'm going to go with my feeling. It's this, you know? Mm. It all, it's never, my intuition has never served me wrong for anything right. that I, any decision I've made. You know, and the hardest part maybe has just been taking the initial leap Mm-hmm. to to do the pivot but at the end of the day it's like I gotta trust my gut right I have to have a good feeling about it like there was a time after garment toy where I was gonna go into another job that was in the states and uh I was like okay you know the money was good the role was good I still I never signed the contract because I just didn't have a good feeling I'm like mm-hmm. maybe I should and I waited around until and the, and I found something else um, where, where do you think the instinct comes from? Were you like that as a child as well? Maybe it's because I'm kind of psychic. Mm, <laughs> I love this stuff. It's because of the magic. <laughs> you, know, you know the magic? Yes. <laughs> no, the Adele I, magic. The Adele magic. No, I, I just, um, I don't know. I, I just have a, I feel like my, I just always trusted my instinct. Yeah. I don't know. When I was little, like I could see ghosts and stuff. You know, no so way. maybe I am psychic. And this is going to go <laughs> no, I think everyone is on a spectrum, especially of, like of Filipino, this. where they're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, know? I didn't, you know, I didn't even realize until recently. Like, I, I knew that you know the Filipino culture believed in the supernatural and the mystical. Oh, but so much. Yeah, I, you know, it wasn't really until I watched an anime recently on Netflix called oh, Treze. I know which one you're talking about. I didn't watch I it, like, but my, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyways, yeah, yeah to to. And again, I think that the intuition that you're talking about, everyone's on a spectrum. Yeah. You know, and, and I I know friends that do see things. Yeah, and, and also at the end of the day, if it doesn't feel right, you know, yes. it's gotta feel right. And I think everybody has at least that part. Yes, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I oh I don't know. I can't speak for everyone, but at the end of the day it's like you're I'm kind of in tune with what what, what should which what my body tells me is right or wrong. Yeah. Well, you know, there there is also a bit of a scientific explanation to like why you feel these things. Oh, tell and me. yeah, and it's actually something that I learned in my sound therapy certification. So it actually comes down to quantum physics. So um, all of us 
are so we have we're made of atoms those atoms vibrate at a certain frequency and they create energy so we're all made of energy and so we have this invisible quantum field biofield that's around us and so when I'm explaining this to to a client um, the example I always use is you know when you meet someone for the first time and you may not even be standing that close to them or whatever and you know right away whether you you connect. like them or not, not the connection, yeah. or you're like, oh, that person has good energy. Yeah. They have bad energy. And it's because your quantum fields are actually interacting because they extend, they extend around you, and you instinctively know whether you are energetically in alignment or not. And that's where you're like, oh, I want to continue connecting with that person, or you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to keep a little I bit of a distance. Love that. I totally believe it. It makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's there's a bit of the science behind the energetic Got reason, it. but yeah, of course, there's the other yeah. spiritual, spiritual, yeah. spiritual reasons. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, that's really cool. Psychic, psychic yeah. Adele. <laughs> <laughs> you should start a hotline. <laughs> I'm just like gonna make shit up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'd love to know how you met Ryan, your husband. Oh, okay. So, the year was 2000 and maybe seven. Yes. I think we met because. Maybe it was 2006. Anyways, it was 2006 because Jamie was six. And, you know, because I had her young, I, I didn't go out very much. And then I had a boyfriend for a long time and we had broken up. And Jamie had started going to her dad's house for weekends. And then I was like, for the first time, I'm like, oh, I have nothing to do. So I started going out. And, yeah, I started going out and I started actually going out too much. <laughs> Probably wasn't a good mom at the time. But, you know, everybody has to go through that when they – when you, when you have a kid that young and you miss a, a large part of your life where everybody's going out and partying, uh, you, you, you're going to have to go out and do that, whether it's like it happens to you in your 20s or it happens to you in your 40s when your kids go away, mm. whatever it is. Like there's this like time in your life where you really feel free. Um, and I miss that. And so I had it. I started. I blossomed <laughs> and did it when I was 26. And you know, going out, that's how I met Ryan because I went out and there was like a friend that I hadn't seen in a long time and we were at Honey. You know that? Oh my Honey? gosh, I do I remember. Play such good music there. Was it on Granville? I, no, it was just off, uh, by close to Gastown by Tinseltown. Oh, right. In that kind of area mm -hmm. there. It's a pub now. Yes. It's a pub. Yes. I don't know. I don't remember what it's called. Yes. But in that it's corner, the pint. It's yes, now the pint. And pub. it was downstairs. And so, yeah, I met him there and it was funny. Um, I was meeting a lot of guys. <laughs> you were having your, your I fun? I was having a lot of fun meeting a lot of men's. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and and then he was just always there, and you know, which was great. But I, I remember thinking at the time, I don't want a boyfriend because I'm having too much fun, and I've never had this kind of fun before, just, like, meeting people and being free. And But in my the back of my mind, I was like, I bet you, but I bet you I'm going to end up marrying this guy. You know? No way. Yeah, I said in the back mm. of my head, I remember, I was like, I bet you I'm going to end up marrying him. And I did. Oh yeah. my gosh! <laughs> oh. What was it about him where you're like, I'm going to marry him? Um, you know what it is like. He is so kind, but you know when you find someone where you don't have to change for that person, mm. you're just yourself, and they could fit into the mold of who you are with them still being your themselves, and mm -hmm. then you still being yourself. Mm -hmm. So it was just really easy. That's why he's my soulmate. Like we were meant to be. Like that quantum physics. Like we yes. just connected. It just connected really well, and it, for the first time ever, had I ever, did I ever feel that I, I didn't have to change who I was around somebody or act a certain way? Hmm. I, I could so just important. be myself, and yeah. I'm kind of a weirdo. 
Yeah. You know, so it was like instead of having a filter, which I always had to have a filter, I didn't have one for the first time. So that in itself was freeing. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes. So that, that's why I'm like, I, I think this guy's pretty great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the idea of feeling free in a relationship. Yeah. That's, the, that's the ultimate, with, isn't it? Yeah, with no jealousy and no, like, asking permission to do something. Like, oh, like, you're, like he, he was so good on his own, even in a group with people he didn't know, that I didn't have to babysit him. Mm. Or, and he didn't have to babysit me either. Right. You know what I mean? So it was yes. just this, like, fluid and freeing um, feeling of, oh, like, this is pretty nice. Like, I, and I'd never felt that before. Yeah. See, I always felt, like, especially when you're young and you're dating a lot of dicks, you know, like, you're mm. like, oh, they're always having to change a little bit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah. it's like, oh, I'm going to go out with my friends. You're going to with your friends. See you later. And yeah. it's fine, you know? And he's creative, too, right? Yeah, and he's so creative. that's really helpful for someone who totally. is, too, to be able to kind of riff on that. Yeah, he's so creative. And he, I actually feel like he's he kind of pushed me in a different direction creatively and challenges me that way he still does like mm-hmm. even you know which I which I need yes you know yeah. so I, I love it that's so yeah. great and he is he really he's the, he's the best really nice guy like <laughs> yeah. as soon as you're in his presence you're like this person is a good person he's a good person he doesn't talk bad about anybody I'm just like come on just say one thing about someone. I could just say it come on I want to hear it I know no. you're thinking it yeah but like come on don't you think this like no it doesn't say anything oh come on because I you know I like to, I like to gossip a little bit here who doesn't like a good gossip but he doesn't mm. you know <laughs> oh shout out to yeah. Ryan yeah very good man very good man yeah so let's let's go into your career. So you finished okay. a business program, yeah, and then you knew you wanted to get into the fashion industry, yes. and then you just took it upon yourself to email a long list of businesses to work yes. for free and learn the ropes. Yes, and Dace was the only one that replied. Yeah, my last year at BCIT, I was like, oh shit, I'm graduating. This means that I really gotta, you know, pay attention in class, and <laughs> and I I should probably start figuring out what I want to do after you know these months are over. And so I decided, okay, well, I like makeup and I like fashion. So I'll just do everything that I do, like, to embody those things that are, you know, like all the projects I did. I'm like, okay, I'll make it a fashion project, even if it mm. wasn't, you know. And so, yeah, I had the, I Googled, and I just – I didn't even know what a sales rep was at the time or anything. And I just had this huge list, and I emailed everybody from this list. And I'm like, hi, I'm willing to work for free, graduating BCIT, come, like, May. You know, do you need any help? And – Nobody responded except for Dace, which was Leisha, Leisha Sabine. Like she responded, and I'm like, and then I ended up working there for eight years, and I worked for free for the first year, wow, just for a trade. I just I was living at home at the time, and I I just really wanted the experience. I'm not a good student. Like Mm. I wasn't good. I wasn't the smartest at school. Like I wasn't like a good student. But so I learned better with experience, with experience and doing things and. My role there just kept growing. Yeah. You know, it was like organizing wholesale. And then it was, okay, well, this thing called Facebook started, you know, doing social. Oh, sh- this the site called, this this platform called Shopify started. That's how old. <laughs> That's how old. Okay, so we're going to be using this Shopify thing, you know, accounting software, all, all this stuff. And, you know, I just started owning it and owning that and owning this and owning that. So yeah, it's great. Like all of the building blocks of things mm-hmm. that you you needed to learn. Yeah. And I think back then, that was a time where, because you're talking about, you know, emailing and working for free. I did the same thing. I was like, I really want to work at this spot. I'm yeah. totally fine with being I, I an intern. Like no one's, that, but no it doesn't one does that happen. anymore. No. no, it doesn't happen like that no. anymore. Like you feel like, it, I know 
back then it was like, well, this is what you need to do. You need to, you know, do some grunt work to start your career. Yeah, and it is different now. I mean, there are still, it's so rare though. I I felt like even when I was at Dace, like I was getting people doing the same thing. But less and less over the years, I'm finding. Mm. Like at Garmentory, I had a few girls that ended up staying and like did that, and it was really amazing. Like yeah. Rebecca, who I'm yes. still working yeah. with her today, and she's amazing. She did that too. She worked for free. But less and less, I'm finding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think people, you know, the younger generation out of the, the gates are, are looking to get paid yeah. right away. Which yeah. is hard. It's a different structure now. Different I structure. Think. And it is hard for small businesses to bring someone on right away and, you know, especially a small brand like Days, like they couldn't afford to pay for me to come on yeah. until I came to help grow something, and then they could. And then they can. Then they you know create a I place mean? for you. Yeah, yeah. Or you create a place for yourself by doing that. That's true. At the end of the that's day, that's true. Being like, hey, I think you need this, and I see an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really, really true. Okay, so from fashion writing to the marketing mm-hmm. to becoming co-founder and VP of merchandising yeah. at Garmentory, which yes. was a next-gen retail startup. Yes. And then Chief Merchant, uh, Marketing Officer at Brand Assembly. Yes. And now co-creator at Atigra. Yep, the clothing line. Which is a clothing line based in L.A. Based in L.A. Mm-hmm. My partner, Alnea, she does uh, 12 Alant as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. And you are the founder of a collective called Snack Size, yes. too. And you do a lot of strategy on that end yes. for development, growth, and then maintenance. Yeah. And so Snack Size could operate like an agency, but it's not. It basically was a way for me to work with friends. Yes. Yeah. I just wanted to work with my friends. I'm like, I don't want to do this. Let's just work with friends on fun things. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it turned out to be. Yeah. And I guess for, with that collective um, mentality, whoever is sort of right for a particular project, mm-hmm. you can assemble that, that yeah. together. Yeah. Because mm. I don't have to do everything. I, I pass off a lot. Yeah. But in but the, the projects I do do, I get to bring in friends and we get to work on it together, which is really fun. Yeah. How do you feel when you look back on this pretty incredible journey in the industry? Yeah. I I don't know. I just, I never looked, I never thought to myself, oh, what's it going to be like five years from now, 10 years from now? I, I don't know. I just kind of just went with it, you know? Mm. And when COVID hit... You know, at brand at Brand Assembly where I was the CMO, you know, automatically it's like everybody got thirty percent pay cut, and I knew the direction this was it was going in because it's predominantly trade shows which were non-existent up until like just recently, right? Right, and then at the end of the day, I was like, do I really want to be doing the trade shows, right? And so you know, I had to think fast about. Mm. Um, anyways, I start so when I was at Brand Assembly towards that tail end, I'm like. Rebecca and I like we need to do something. And we started and by the time we stopped Brand Assembly completely, we were already set up with a website and just working on doing proposals and sending yeah. them to people. So Again, pivoting into pivoting. a yeah. different direction. Yeah. So now I could do yeah. proposals really fast. <laughs> You're like, instead of days, it takes yeah. an hour. Yeah. It used yeah. to take days. I'm like, why is this so hard? And then now yes. it's like, okay, five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And I guess you yeah. you begin to understand your perspective on how you operate and how yeah. you would and develop these things. Yeah, and also your value. Ah, your value. That's the mm-hmm. one thing that I never had, even at Garmentory, like didn't really understand what my worth was mm-hmm. and what my value was. And I didn't, honestly, until this year, I'm realizing, you know what? Like, I, you know, you're making a difference in a business that's going to set them up to make some pretty good return. Yeah. So you should be compensated for that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard to think that way, especially when, for me, coming from small business, yeah. Where it's like, there's no money. We have to be careful because there's never any money. You know what I mean? Yes. So yes. You, you, in a way, it kind of cheapens your, you, you cheapen yourself mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Because 
you know, what you're used to is not what the rest of the world is used to. Mm. So you're kind of down here with with what your worth is when and then when you leave it's where you what what she got paid what for that you know then you're just you you kind of question like oh so all these years yes yeah. <laughs> right you know right. what I mean right especially coming you you did yeah. contract doing sweet slot then you of course right and it's so, a struggle all the time yeah. you know even in this in this um new career path that I've taken as a sound therapist you know there was that struggle in the beginning being like well what, what should my rate be? Like, yeah. what would people pay for this? Like, is that, is what I'm doing worth that? And in the end, it was like, yes, it, it, it is, is worth, it is worth that for these reasons. This is what I'm bringing to you, the table in exactly. my particular approach. It's just committing to it. Yes. It's just you committing to it. Okay, that this is what it is because this is, be- and this is why. Yes. And you just commit and you stick to it. And the people that can't, can't, and the people that can, can. Exactly. And I I was just going to say that too, when you commit and you stick to Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you, you are, you know, your rate is or what you're, you're doing, that's when you find the right people to work with because, you know, the ones who are like, I don't know, then you don't want to work with them anyways. Yeah. Cause I think in the beginning it's scary because you're like, Oh, I don't know. I'm going to do something new. Do you think like people can afford this? But then if you, if you keep doing it at that price, it's not scalable and it doesn't make sense because it takes you so many hours to do it yeah right exactly yeah yeah so I'm curious to know when you were at Garmentory what did you learn the most about yourself being a co-founder at a startup and you you know you and your co-founders kind of came at a good time at the intersection of fashion and and tech so I'd love to know how you evolved um so personally and professionally I think I evolved by, you know, I wasn't really an advocate for myself. You know who actually taught me to stand up for myself was Elisa. Mm. She's amazing. I love her. I love her so much. Dear friend. She's so smart too. Mm -hmm. And so I never advocated for myself. She actually was the one that pushed me to. I was always like, okay, because I don't like conflict, you know. Conflict doesn't have to be a negative thing. That's what I've learned too. Mm. And, um, you know, I was a baby. I think I was like 30. I was only 30 years old. Or thirty one when 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 I started Garmentory, yeah, um, yeah. So Elisa taught me that how to advocate for myself and how to use my voice. And then with her, and then I had an executive coach too. Yes, I think with the two of them, it's like I became this new person. Yeah, uh, and incredible. I started to stand up for myself. Yeah, and understanding and be, that you you have a place at the table. Yeah, exactly. Because it's mm. very intimidating. Mm-hmm. It's very intimidating, and. Um, just learning how to do that and then learning how to justify things that I'm doing, mm. like being prepared with that ammunition for why um, in advance, like preparing that in advance, uh, yes. that helped me too. Oh, yeah, that is that is yeah. very, very important. Yeah. Mm. But I guess coming from a, an atmosphere like days, it's like we kind of just did what we wanted because it felt right. Mm. You know, we didn't, we didn't have to... We didn't have to explain ourselves. Yes. We're just like, oh, this looks nice or this lo- this this sounds really cool. Like we should just do something like this, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I never was in an environment before where I had to justify the reasons for why and what it would bring in return. And that was the challenge for me. Mm. That was a really big challenge. It's hard. That was hard. Yes. Right? And it's the ROI because it's a business, yes, right? Because it's a-, a business and people invested money in this business and they want to know how it's going to come back to them. Mm. Right? So, because mm-hmm. it was venture backed. So we had investors. Yes. So we had, yes. to, we had to answer to them. So that was a challenge for me to learn that. But once I learned that, you know, you learn what it means to think big picture which mm. I didn't have before because I was very small-minded and small business-minded. And then you can learn how to – then from there you're like, okay, you know how, you know how to scale. 
you learn how to scale because you're forecasting ahead. Yes. You're looking at like what's emerging what's and what happening, you and then what, what you need to do to get there. And so yes. once I unlocked that, I just feel professionally and mentally like, you know, your mind can expand and look at things so differently. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's 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 great. And you learned structure. Yes. You know, because yeah. process and structure process and, process and structure yeah. is important to being yeah. successful. And who would have right? thought the, per- the girl that didn't have any. To, to now have yeah. so much of it. <laughs> you learn, you learn in life, don't you? Yeah. What yeah. keep what keeps you in the game? Um, the passion's just still there for me. Mm. I still love fashion. Now it's more pivoted to like I love helping people. Like I love coming in and organizing something and making it better. Mm. You know, and I love building things. And I could build it, and I'm also okay to leave it after and let someone else take over and do it. Mm, so right. the maintaining part at the end of the day, like the longevity of, you know, I had been at Garmin Tory for over seven years. I don't think I could have gone past this, like, and I didn't, and I don't, I think I would have been so unhappy going past it. I think I, I needed a new challenge. Right. Yeah. yeah. You recognize when the new chapter yeah, for yourself done. needed to begin. Yeah. And like, you could take it and you guys see what happens. And when I see it, it's not like, I feel like, oh yeah, I'm so pained that I'm not there. No, I'm actually like happy it's still around. Like yeah. I built that. Yes. You know what I mean? Something then that's a good about. feeling. Yeah. So I'm okay mm. with that. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with building things and letting someone else take it and go. Mm. So, yeah. And speaking of that, we were chatting about your your late but beloved mentor. Yes. Ginny? Ginny. Ginny yeah. Hershey Lambert. She yes. was a chief merchant at um, Bergdorf and Neiman. She was at Neiman Marcus for a long time. Yeah. 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 And she passed, but you're now doing. Something, Something, yeah, that you were going to do together, yes. But in a way, she kind of—it's something that you're going to carry on, yes. And mm. it was from her vision, so that's—it's it, just—it's nice to think about it that way, yeah. Yeah. So we had been working; she had been starting to work with a client in Philadelphia. Uh, it's a luxury department store called Boyd's, oh, okay. and so she wanted to bring me in to help with the marketing, mm. and so she had passed and it, we were really excited because it was our first time we were going to work together at this capacity if I had gotten if, the, if they had decided that they wanted to work with me and so we were really excited because we were like oh we're going to do so many good things like this is going to be so fun we've never worked this way I'm like I'm going to learn so much more from you she's like I'm going to learn from you and so we were very excited about it and then um, yeah she had a brain aneurysm after we had gone off a phone call and then she had just passed away right away and so for months, like it went stagnant, and but I still kept in touch with um, Kent, who is the owner. It's like a fourth generation luxury mm, store. Yeah, I've never heard of yeah, it. Yeah, it's been around for uh, since like 1893 or something. Oh, like, wow. something crazy. Yeah, no, no, lots of 19. Yeah, it, it, there's lots, lots of history there. Mm. Uh, I don't know if it's 1893. Maybe I made that up, but mm. maybe edit this part out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they've been around for a very, very long time, like a legacy store in Philadelphia. And so I just started there in August with them. And um, I love them. Like it's such a it's a family run business. They're all amazing. Um, staff has been there for 30 years. That's how much they love working with. That's a with, high retention yeah. rate, like a long one. And they, everyone loves working with this family because they're amazing and so kind. I love them already. And I just started getting to know them even more now. And it's it's really nice, but also sad at the same time because they've all met her too. Mm. And so um, to work together uh, and then know like we could we still could reference like what she had thought. It's just nice to be around other people that knew her too. Yeah. And then um, 
yeah, it's just, I miss her a lot. Yeah, what, yeah. Would, you, what would you say to her if she was around? Oh, if she was still here. We, we spoke so much. Um, she knows how thing. I told her all the time how thankful I was to be in her life. You know, I, I actually thought that I was the only one. Mm. And then when she passed, I saw all these other messages people were leaving. It seemed like they also had her too. And I'm just like, oh, I thought, no, I thought it was me, just me. <laughs> so I was kind of <laughs> jealous. I'm like, I thought it was just me, Judy. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I, I'm just so grateful to have her. To be honest, to be completely honest, like everything that happened with Garmin Tori and my growth there really came from her. She actually guided me and she showed me what to look at and she showed me how to grow things. So I, I unfortunately, like as an entrepreneur and at doing what I'm doing, I have never had anyone above me to teach me things. I've always been the one like running the show mm. and that's hard and that's very hard. And so um, to have someone like her for like the six years that we were, we were um, close, uh, she was the one that taught me. She's literally taught me everything. I can't even attribute it to just doing work at Garment Tour. It's like, actually, Ginny is the one that led me and showed me the way, to be honest. So wow. I owe her so much. I owe her so much. And I would tell her all the time. Yeah. I, I loved her so much. She and knew it, too. She knew that I loved her. So Oh, that's yeah. that's that's really beautiful. And, you know, it's it's um, she taught you a lot, mm-hmm. but also she believed in you. And she did. That, that is such a wonderful yeah. feeling when someone – does and she'd always send me these little notes to lift me up all mm. the time like whether it was linkedin text or like even instagram like always lifting me up all, oh, of, all she the was time her cheerleader she was and i was yeah. hers like she was just amazing she's just this amazing woman and I, the truth is in you know they, they did a ww store a wwd story about her after she passed and i'm um, just reading the comments of everybody who's she, she was just amazing mm. you know even um, Ed Boyd's uh, right now Kent talks about how amazing she was because he knew it just from working with her for a few months you know yes. so I was very very lucky and uh, you know she came to me for a reason and yes, I was so lucky that I mm. was able to have that time with her yeah that's beautiful well yeah. I, I am sorry for your loss thank yeah. you yeah I um love something that you said in uh, an interview you did with the about entrepreneurship and motherhood. Um, you had said your children are your reality check and deserve respect for you not to be distracted by work. So you put that away when you get home. Yeah. That doesn't always happen, but more so now than before. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it reminds me to stop. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, th- I love the part about your children deserving respect. They do. Yeah. Mm. They do. And I, I don't, uh, they start off with it. And then it's up to them if they want to lose it or not. <laughs> they've never lo- they've never lost my respect yet. So. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. there you go. Yeah. You're doing something right, yeah. right. I give them my trust. Like, I trust them. Yes, yes. Until you fuck up. <laughs> but they haven't fucked up. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a certain freedom in that, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, like, I'm giving you the respect and, and you'll give it back, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you spent a lot of time in L.A. Yes, L.A. Yes. and New York. And New York. Yeah. Yeah. What do you what do you love about these other cities, um, and what do you feel is happening there currently with culture and creativity that makes you feel super excited? Well, I think for me it's all, it's the it's a personal part because mm-hmm. because you know a garment had enabled me to travel so much. I just made so many really good friends. 
So I would say my most favorite part with LA and New York has been my my friends there, my very, very good friends that I haven't seen in a very long time, mm. right? I haven't traveled. I actually left those two cities right when COVID happened. Like I came out of um, market in New York going into Paris where COVID was, was like started to get crazy because people had come from Milan. Right. Right. Yep. And so Paris fashion week was so weird, like hardly anybody there. And then I remember people saying there's it's not serious. Like they're not going to shut down the airport. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take so much to shut down the airport. What happened after we left? The airport got shut down. You know what I mean? And so and then I went to L.A. and had to leave L.A. early because there was no toilet paper left all of a sudden. Mm. It got really crazy there. And I'm like, we need to go home. So we just booked flights. Everybody just booked flights home right away. And then I've been home since. Um, except I went to Philadelphia in August, but prior to that I had not traveled. And so I don't even know what's happening there. Mm. But I can tell you what I like that's changed out of the fashion industry. Yes, especially with emerging designers, emerging mm-hmm. independent designers is and with these and with the boutiques is that there isn't this rush to feel like you have to have this collection ready to sell for a certain time. So it's like the pressure is off there. Wow. Because buyers are buying what they want when they need it. And designers are starting to produce what they want when it's when it's ready. And so, and not everybody, but most of who I know is. And so what that's done is it's alleviated the stress and this mad panic to like, I got to be ready for February. I got to be ready for September. I have to have this much done. I have to have this done. I have to have this done to, hmm, it's going to be done when it's done. You know? I really love that. Yeah. This, this actually reminds me a little bit of a conversation I had yesterday with my friend Rihanna, who's a co-founder of um, an agency, a branding agency called Super Bonjour. And um, we were talking about this allowing for space for creativity mm-hmm. instead of always, always like going, going. So I love hearing that for, for fashion, that there's this fallow period, because I do remember when it was like collection after collection, yeah. it seemed like... And designers it, and teams didn't have space. And it still is, but not at the same time. So mm. people are still following it. Brands are still following it, but a lot of brands aren't. But I do know that the mindset of the store, it's easier for them to buy what they need when they need to buy it, as opposed to having to put this order in six months prior to mm. and not knowing what they're going to sell through over the six months and how much cash flow they're going to have left to pay for these orders. You know what I right. mean? So it allows them to mm-hmm. be more to be more successful. Yeah, and it's more freeing, you yes. know? And so the mm. model for my clothing line with Elnea had always been that way, where we're not doing traditional seasons, we're doing off-season, uh, no minimums, and we're just doing these small capsules. So we had already been operating like this before COVID, mm. and it worked well. Yes, right? yes. And so, and now... Um, Industry's I'm, catching I'm see- up to that yes, idea. Yes, I'm seeing more people working that way now. I like that for people. Yeah, I do too. It's less stressful. I was going to say, the stress levels are super and down, and it allows them to be healthier and then you don't have to produce as big as a collection as you used to just like smaller pieces you're launching at a time maybe every few months kind Mm. of thing and then if you buy it you buy it Uh, and otherwise a lot of designers i know direct to consumer went up over COVID anyways yeah you're making more money and more profitable so it's so there's there's growth there Mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. been growth there Mm. Any um, favorite? Yeah, I'm. I'm very. I'm excited to see how this this continues mm-hmm. to infiltrate the the industry. And I'm curious to know: Do you have any um, emerging brands that you are watching right now? Yeah, my favorite right now is Monica Cordero. Mm-hmm. So one of a few carries them. I love everything, and it's not too crazy with the price point. 
Mm, okay. And it's not like a thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, something. Yeah. For most part, it's not like a thousand dollars for something. Like you could get some things. Like the price is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I like her. Who else do I like? I just did worked on a brand refresh with a with a client by the name of Hosen, and she does sustainable vegan uh, leather bags out of cactus and. It's a whole new collection, and it's really beautiful. So I've been wearing a lot of her stuff. Out of cactus? Yeah, cactus leather. They're wow. doing some crazy stuff for, for sustainability with the types of leather they could do now. They're even doing mushroom, mushroom leathers. Yes, I know yeah. LVMH has been looking at that. Yeah, and, and someone, I, I, I remember like a f- over COVID, someone, there was a company in Brooklyn that was growing mushroom for the vegan mushroom leather. It was very expensive. What people mm. need to know, too, is that these leathers are more expensive than real leathers. Mm. Right. Yeah, I guess yeah. like the the process will be. Yeah, there's different. even like pineapple leather. Wow. That they have. Um, yeah, I'm always hearing about new developments. That's which very is very cool. interesting. Yeah, yeah. There's even I, I heard about this one leather that was made out of like dead fish scales that like w- whatever waste comes from the fish like yep. after like they're they they turned it into like a fabric. Wow. It's interesting, hey. It's really interesting. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, I guess something to, for everyone to watch. Yeah. Yes, yeah. especially if it's it's good for the world. Yeah, especially if it could become biodegradable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you're if you're being able to use things that are seen as waste. Yes. And yeah. using it for something else. Yeah. Definitely. Well, just a couple more questions, yeah. actually, just two left for you. If you were to ask your daughters Jamie and Cielo, um, if I were to ask actually. Yeah what they love most about you, using your mother's instinct, Ugh. and because you have a really good one, what do you think they'd say? I think they'd say that I'm really fun. Mm. <laughs> well, yes, I'd because say the I'm same like thing. Because I'm so fun, <laughs> and I never get mad at anybody. No, I, yeah, pro- maybe they would say that I'm fun. I don't know. Yeah. More than their dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, fun is good. Yeah, fun That is means good. you can hang out with your parents, yeah. and it'd be super yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope they would say they would say that I was supportive. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So final question. It's the yeah. question I ask everyone. With what it is you do, what is it that you want to leave behind in the world? Oh, you know what I really want to leave behind? It's not even in the world. It's for my kids. I just want to leave behind a lot of money for them. <laughs> so they're well taken care of. Yeah, because it's who, how are they going to buy a house? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's hard on your Especially own Especially if they're going to live here in yeah. Vancouver. Yeah. So I just hope that when I'm when I'm gone, I've left them behind something that that can help them do what they want to do mm-hmm. and not feel like they have to struggle. Because I felt like I struggled a lot. Like mm-hmm. I struggled a lot financially when I was younger with yeah. Jamie. You know what I mean? And so I just, I would hate for them to ever feel like they couldn't do something because they couldn't afford it. So I hope to leave behind for my kids yeah, some monies. <laughs> yes, which will yeah. allow them to have greater freedom exactly. to, to live the lives that they want to. Mm. Well, thank you for being here. Thanks for bringing your energy into this room no and your problem. laughter. Um, I really appreciate it. And thank you, you, you sharing me. your story and your thoughts. Thanks so much for having me. I I loved I love talking about myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> joking. No, I love talking to you. I haven't talked yeah, to you in so long. I so know. It's been great. This, is, this has yeah. been fun, which you are. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. If you enjoyed that last conversation, be sure to check out more episodes with Craft on Spotify and guest photo galleries on the website at wearethecraft.com. Thanks again for listening.